On this 28th episode of Goat Gab, we continue our discussion about show ring preparations. Cameron and I are sitting at my dining room table, joined by my daughter Elizabeth, as we discuss how we settle our animals in once we arrive at the show, how we manage the show string during the show, and some tips you may find helpful with show season right around the corner. So grab a cup of your favorite beverage and join us. Hello, Goat Gabbers. We are so glad to have you here with us today. As always, this is one of your co-hosts, Laura, and I'm joined with Cameron. Hi, everybody. We are excited because we're in person today. Yes, I'm sitting here at my dining room table looking across at Cameron, and I don't have to like imagine what he looks like. I see his smiling face here. So Yeah, it's, it's different, but I like it because I don't have to see a wall anymore. It's so much fun. It'll be awesome. And we are joined by my oldest daughter today, Elizabeth. So say hi, Elizabeth. Hi. Anyway, lots of stuff going on with the goat world. And Cameron and I have had a great day of of looking at goats and talking at goats and kind of hashing out how we're going to do this today. So let's just jump in. Yeah, Laura, um, it's muddy and rainy and really dreary outside. I'm looking at your pasture here. So what's happening on your farm besides that? Yeah, all the goats are in the barn. That's what's happening. Because it's, I swear, I think I'm going to go out there and find webbed feet and gills if it doesn't quit raining around here. So um, kids are growing. It's muddy. We've got trees that are leafing out. And uh, yesterday was a beautiful spring day. So just just enjoying a little more normalcy with the the goat chores and and getting into a rhythm. And I always like the spring when it gets kind of to this point. So how about you, Cameron? Um, not really a lot of craziness happening since last time we chatted um moving some kids in and out people are coming to pick up their goats finally or i'm taking them to them which i did today obviously that's why i'm here um but i think um you know one of the highlights this week has been uh, my og sable the original gangster sable as i call her she kid it and she's nine years old this year so we've been doing this sable thing now for nine years that's crazy well i think it's just a she's just such a neat animal and such a neat story and and um you know for those people who think sometimes when you get raffle kids whether it's at the national show or your local show that uh they're not going to turn out i think that uh cameron has a really great reason for you to think that yes they will and yes they do and uh congratulations on a happy kidding with her for sure Yes, absolutely. And I think the highlight, not only just her kidding, was my grandpa because he was there. I was off working and my dad was off working. So he actually delivered the kids. He called me all um, what's the word I'm looking for? Ecstatic. That's the word that he had delivered these kids. And he's about 76 right now. He just said to me, he still got it. So. Good job, Byron. Yes, you still have it. <laughs> so that's that's kind of the highlight. Not a lot there, but I think um, Adga dropped some big bombshells on us that I think we're raring to go and ready to talk about. Yes, for sure. So I'm going to just jump right in with something that uh, got my panties in a wad a little bit over this past week, for using a crazy term. Um a bombshell dropped where uh, I saw somebody asking for volunteers 
for doing milk checkout. And, and I just want to say, first off, I don't ever mind volunteering for helping with anything. To me, it's a great way to meet people at the national show and to get to see herds maybe that you wouldn't ordinarily get to see. I like to volunteer at national shows. It's a great way to do it. Elizabeth, did you have fun when we did milk check? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Meeting all the new people and all the really amazing goats. It's always really exciting to get to have that opportunity every year at nationals. So uh, having said that, I was very surprised when I saw a request for uh, doing milk checkout because I thought it was very adamantly clear in the national show rules that they were going to forego with the milk out checks this year due to COVID concerns. And I, you know, I can totally see that. I felt like that even though that wasn't necessarily the most popular decision, uh, it was a decision that was made with a lot of mindful thought behind it, that uh, for the volunteers that would be doing the milk checking, there's no way that you can do that without being in close contact with a lot of people. So yes, even though everybody could wear a mask, I get that. Uh, you're still going to be up close and personal with people. Uh, Elizabeth and I checked La Mancha's last time. There's a lot of handling with La Mancha's and you mm-hmm. are up co- close to somebody to do that. Got to be able to see their, their tails. And a lot of times the tails aren't clean and, and so forth. Um, I also think that from a contract, a contact tracing point of view, it would be a nightmare trying to remember what herds you had contact with and so forth. Anyway, um, I was just very surprised to find that. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's to me, it just blows my mind because I felt like we took a step backwards because we had made some rulings and we had put all of this information out to the public that, Hey, this is what the national show schedule is going to look like. This is the rules and regulations here. And then all of a sudden everything got flipped, flipped for flipped and changed. And to me, it it just blows my mind Um, as someone that has been adamantly against the milk check um, for years now, ever since I've served on the national show committee, I've been against it because it's so hard to find people to volunteer for it. Yes. We've seen major call outs on Facebook for this and other things, but at the end of the day, you know, you're there on a a vacation to some extent, a goatcation as well. You know, I don't know. I'm not crazy about spending my vacation volunteering, hunting around the barn for herds. Um, I've done it in the past. It was fine, but it's something that, you know, I'm not really crazy about. Additionally, I don't think it really gives a, a an advantage as well. Um, some people say this is to level the playing field with milk check. To me, it doesn't. Um, you're, you know, if you're there on the national level, the milk check in itself um, is there to keep it there. But if you're on the national level, you should be able to uh, know how to utter your goats because at the end of the day, that's why you're there and you want to compete. Right. And the other thing of it is, I think the milk check has um, a purpose when you look at the yearlings. I mean, the milking yearlings are the ones who are going to have the shortest amount of time to get ready. But how valid is a milk check when you get to the end of the day and you're in that age doe class? Sometimes those does have over 24 hours that they've been uttered up. So what is the point? It's not, it's not going to keep people from over uttering their animals. Um, I, I just feel like, like you said, 
It's a use of volunteer hours that isn't necessarily a good use. I'm also concerned about this year if the national show rules are going to continue with uh, not allowing spectators to come or people to come watch the show that don't have animals. Sometimes those are the people who are willing to volunteer to help with milk checks. So that's also cutting out a number of people that normally you would have there. I, I just, it's not that I'm trying to be condemning of the national show committee for making this decision. I just feel like that if we're going to stick with the concerns for keeping people socially distanced or people spending time in close proximity with only their own family members, it doesn't make sense to do the milk check. And I'm very anxious for the National Show Committee or for ADGA leadership, whomever that may be, the EC or the board of directors, to show some transparency in discussing why that decision was made. Yeah, because to my knowledge, there was never a postal ballot announced formally. You know, there was no dis- – like a, to, to me, at the end of the day, this was kind of done in the shadows for lack of a better terms. Um, you know, we, we, we as the membership didn't even hear about this. We didn't really know. Um, and, and to me, it's, it's frustrating because it's not just us. That's, it's not just this. It's a whole bunch of other things that are being done – in the shadows that might not even be that might affect the membership, but we don't know about it. Yes. And kind of going along that same area of thought there, Cameron, I feel like that, that you and I both have been very strong advocates for patience and tolerance and understanding. And, you know, we're getting through this. Let's, let's look at this NG, um, upgrade and let's just all be patient and get through there. And I know that it's caused some really big hardship for some people. And I totally get that. I really wish, however, that there would be a little more transparency on the whole NG process and at least some discussion from active leadership stating this is what we're thinking. This is where we are. This is what we've got going on. This is why this decision has been made. Or even just a, hey, man, we know this sucks. <laughs> yeah, we, I've seen some of that actually from some of the directors. And then they're like, I know this sucks. And and you know what? It's not impact. It's not just you guys. It's me as well. And it's affecting. So I've seen a little bit of that. But I haven't seen anything from some of the top brass of the ADGA leadership. Right. And I think my heart goes out to them because I'm sure that their stress level has got to be crazy high. And I know, I know our ADGA EC and they're great people. I, I like and admire and respect every one of them. And I really am hoping that very soon they will come out and say something about either a mitigation idea or, or at least give us some ideas of, of what's going on or why decisions were made or so forth. It makes it a lot easier to handle something if you know that at least it's a mindful decision behind it and why things were done the way they are. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And it's just, it's, it's frustrating. And I know we spent some time obviously off mic talking about it and, and getting out our frustrations because um, we're, we're fed up there with a lot of, a lot of the stuff. Um, and, you know, I think next year we're going to see a lot of shakeups in leadership. 
uh, when it comes to that. I know some directors have already said publicly they're not going to run again. Some have said that you know I'm I might drop out early a little bit as well. About early, uh, we could see a major you know even shift in the way the the ballot or not the ballots the directors are even counted too. So I mean it, it it's crazy to think, but it could happen. It could. And there's there's just so much turmoil right now. The NG, the COVID stuff with National Show, uh, concerns about linear appraisal. Adga um, staff. Oh, gosh. Adga staff and, and looking at changing to an executive director and how that might impact the number of directors that we have. I think it's safe to say that Adga's on the cusp of something really big. And I hope that everybody can keep in mind that this is probably positive change that has needed to happen for a long time. Yeah, I would agree. It's it's hard, and especially because a lot of people have been ingrained in the ADGA trenches for a long time. You know, we've had some fantastic leadership that has led us through similar things like this, um, but also we've had some leadership where they kind of lag behind um, in the terms of innovation. So they haven't embraced technology as well. Um, and maybe they haven't looked at new and innovative ideas in terms of programming as well. So again, I'm not calling them out because I want I want fast-acting change right now. I'm just saying as, as a bystander, this is some of the things that we see. Um, and maybe you know, serious consideration for change should be coming around the corner. And it could be, be with all these new people um, potentially coming in as directors. I also think one thing that... that- we have talked about, and, and you also see this from time to time, um, Adga is kind of a monopoly. And I've heard people say, well, let's just move to AGS. Guys, I don't think that's the solution either. Uh, for those of you that don't realize it, if you have Americans in your herd, AGS is not an option for you because they don't take Americans. They don't have a grading up program. So, uh, I don't know what their ideas are on Guernseys. I don't know, even know if AGS will register Guernseys, but I, I still feel like even though people are frustrated and, and I can understand why, Adga is still the or, is still the premier dairy goat organization in the United States. And uh, let's just let's just try to give it a little more time and and see where that goes. Yeah, I will say uh, I'm looking at the AGS website right now. When I Googled AGS, the first thing that came up was AGS versus ADGA. So that, I mean, that's just right for straight from the internet there. And then the uh, AGS current news, which looks like it's updated. It looks like the office is working on mail received three eighteen twenty one updated um, just yesterday. So, I mean, they're lagging behind as well in terms of their production of uh, registrations. You know, speaking of registration papers, uh, I did get my first two hard copies of registrations on some dope kids that I registered. The registration was easy. The papers are clear. I don't see any mistakes on the papers at all. So that gives me a little hope that things will get better. And, and I will say these were uncomplicated. I own, I own the father. I own the doe. There wasn't a transfer involved. Uh, I own both of them. It wasn't one of my kids, so I had the whole transfer tattoos or anything like that. It was probably a very best-case scenario all the way through. So I know that other people have had papers in there for weeks and weeks and weeks and not able to get through. But um, 
I'm, I'm excited about how pretty the papers were. And I was easy. It was easy for me to print off a stamped duplicate this morning on those papers when I sold one of those dope kids and, and the mail hadn't run through yet. So that's, I think that there are good things to look forward to. I think the NG program has a lot of really neat features that we probably will all come to embrace and rejoice over down the road. We just need to get to that point. So, yeah, I would say your scenario and in the business world, I think about it is we call it the 80, 20 rule where, you know, 80 per, if you can get through 80% of the scenarios, you're doing pretty good. And then worried about the 20 stuff later. Um, and, you know, I would take this test case, Laura, from what you saw, that's probably 80% of the registry is doing it a simple way where you own the sire, you own the, you own the uh, dam, and then you're registering it in your own herd name. So if we, if ag is getting that 80% done, that's, that's fairly good number still. That's still a C plus when it comes to uh, uh, a grading scale for, for school. So that's passing technically. So let's hope that they soon get to that A plus point, right? Yeah, absolutely there. Uh, what what else is happening? You guys signed up for linear appraisal, right? You got that done? Yes, yes. I got that done. We got that done on time and, and we're ho- hopeful we've got, we'll, we'll be taking our animals to a stop about 15 minutes from here. So yes, did I- you sign up? Uh, no, I haven't yet. I was on the road this week, so I told myself I was going to do it Friday, and then Friday turned into a craziness there. My brother, actually, this this week, he, he put on a petting zoo, and he asked for our goats to come. So I had to drop the kids off at school because he's an ag teacher, So and then I had to pick him up from school. I love that. Bringing a new, bringing a new generation of kids, haha, to meet kids. That's a great thing. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan. I, I think like most of our listeners are of agriculture education. It's very important to get kids that, you know, might not live in an, an ag area involved with youth so, or involved with, with livestock and goats in general and educate them where their food is. So um, really great thing. Always happy to help out if people ask and need baby goats for petting zoos or something like that. So, and you know, kids, kids like kids, it's always a big hit with them. So yeah. This past Monday, uh, my youngest daughter, Caroline, is in a speech class at college, and it's a community college about 45 minutes from here. So she had to do an informative speech, and of course, she chose to do her speech about dairy goats. So (laughs) Monday morning, I loaded up a baby goat, and I loaded up a milking doe. And we drove to the college on the college campus, parked outside of the buildings, and I had the props while Caroline gave her speech. And her uh, professor said, this is the first time I've ever had a parent come to one of my classes. (laughs) And I said, I bet it's also the first time that you've had the subject of a speech pooping on the sidewalk. (laughs) So uh, the teacher looked at me and she's like, what are we going to do with this? And I'm like, what do you want me to do with it? <laughs> At least it's, so, not, it's easy to clean up. Goat poop is super easy to clean. You just kind of kick it, up, kick it into the dirt. Yeah, exactly. Right. So she said that she would have the maintenance guys come to it. So I didn't have to mess with it. But <laughs> of course, the class loved the baby goat. They thought that that was great. And uh, the milking dough that we took there, she just kind of stood there and acted <laughs> bored. So nobody asked to milk her. These were college kids, not little kids. So oh, it, was, yeah. it was fun. But even with that, with being older students, it was they. Some of them had never seen a goat before. Yeah. So I can believe that. Actually, yeah. <laughs> so, even growing up on a farm, I could believe it. I, you know, I've been I've been to college, and yeah. some, of, some of those kids. I mean, in college is great. You get a wide array array of people, but um, they just might not have an agricultural background. Well, you'll appreciate this, Karen. 
it was a somewhat warm-ish day, probably in the mid-60s. Um, the, there were quite a few girls in that class that had on tank tops and shorts. Okay. So only in Missouri would 65 degrees be considered to be tank top and shorts weather on college campuses. So uh, probably Indiana too, because I remember that at Purdue. People, people were like that too, but... Anyway, I think spring is coming, but yes, it doesn't look like it, but it is. Elizabeth, do you have anything exciting going on in your world or any thoughts that you've got? No, I'm super excited that I finally had my son and babies born and I have one doe currently, hopefully that she'll either kid today or tomorrow. And if she does, it's a very exciting breeding that I'm pretty excited about. And those are recorded grades, right? No, no, no. These oh. would be alpine. These would be alpines. They would okay. be alpines this time, and we're. I'm pretty okay. hopeful for that. Um, other than that, you know, it's been nice coming home and helping out with chores. Yeah, the pizza was great today. Yeah, thanks for picking that up. <laughs> and the mom, the mother, always appreciates chore help on the weekends. <laughs> it's it's nice to have grown kids that come home and trim hooves and tattoo goats. And I know your dad understands that too. Yeah. We're going to tap uh, tomorrow is the tattoo is the tattoo day slash CDNT day. Oh crap. I got to pick up CDNT. That reminds me. I got to pick up that before tomorrow. Crap. <laughs> so yeah, it's a, that that's always appreciated there from my dad at least. So that's all right. Shall we jump into our topic? Yes. And we are going We'll call, it, we'll call it blind today. We we didn't really prepare a lot, which you know, we normally sit down and we do um, you know weekly notes and everything. But I, I know I had a busy week. Laura had a busy week too, um, and we wanted to be as authentic as possible today. Right. So just pretend that you're sitting at my dining room table with us. Yeah. And uh, we have a nice bottle of raspberry wine that we're trying to decide whether or not to open <laughs> or not. Probably we'll finish the podcast first. Yes. But anyway. Thanks, Jess, for the wine. Yes, thank you. And um, we are going to proceed with part two of our discussion on uh, dairy goat shows and the preparation and so forth. And last week we got up to the point of just about like the day before the show. Yeah, day before the show. So we thought that we would start out this week discussing when you get to the show, like maybe the morning you leave for the show. Or, or the day before. Yeah, finish the day before. That, yeah, and then kind of talk about how we manage our herd at the show, and we'll talk about showmanship and some yeah. some thoughts on that too. So, so I'll go ahead first. So you talked about leaving the day before. Do you guys leave the day of the show? So if you guys are hypothetically, let's play this out because I know you're going to go to a show in Memorial Day. Mm -hmm. If you are going to Sedalia, which that's your show Memorial Day, everybody has their show Memorial Day. Are you guys leaving the day of or are you guys leaving the day before? We go the day before. Okay. And I'll tell you why. It's probably a holdover from my days as a Nubian shower. I never had a lot of luck traveling with goats with full udders. I don't, I don't like to do it. I think it stresses them out. Um, I think that they quit making milk at that point. And like, so looking at that Sedalia show, I think the show starts at eight in the morning and Alpines are first. So that would mean that I need to leave about four in the morning. And, uh, when I leave that early, things are usually forgotten, right, Elizabeth? Well, not just forgotten, but we have some very – we don't have morning people, and our whole family is not morning people. And <laughs> I'm a morning person. My daughters are not. Well, I have one sibling in particular that you wake her up, and it is not a good next few hours. So 
definitely, <clears throat> for the most part, it's for the goats, but some of it is for the um, handling help that they're not necessarily easy to work with that early in the morning. <laughs> um, a, a legendary story in our family was before we went to one national show, and I don't remember which one it was, but we left very, very early in the morning. We went in and we had everything loaded except for Caroline. And we went in and shook her awake. And is she like towsy haired, closed eyes, hardly open? And she goes, Not cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so that's so that's what we do. What do you do, Cameron? It just depends. So we so if it's that Memorial Day weekend and it's generally more than you know two two ish hours away, we will uh, I'll say more than an hour away. We will do the night before. We will go the night before. And, and to me, we have found that goats don't make milk on the trailer. Right. Like goats, they, they they don't. They mean they're not. They don't like being on the trailer unless they lay down, which they never lay down. They're not smart enough to figure that out yet. Uh, they might eventually, but and, but when they do lay down, though, they're just like, and you go to get them up, they're just like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> This is where I want to be. Don't make me up. Yeah, yeah, it's it's silly, but they don't make milk on the trailer at all, so that's really hard to travel with them there in the morning. Um, additionally, we just like getting settled in. I think that's really, really important to you for you to really enjoy the goat show because I know everyone at this table and probably listening to this podcast really enjoys a goat show. But getting up at three o'clock in the morning and then traveling three hours and then so it's six o'clock then and then by that time you're rushing to get everything unpacked and unloaded and the goats prepped and you are just uh, the day is just a blur it is you're tired and i've also found the goats don't eat or drink in the trailer and i don't care you know some people have really cool plans like we'll take five gallon buckets and freeze them and put that in the trailer so it doesn't slosh all over, but then it melts so they can lick on it and drink on it. I don't care what you do. It's hard to get goats to drink in the trailer. Hey, and Caroline. they don't eat either. So then, hi, Caroline. We were just talking about you. We were just talking about you. They don't eat or drink in the trailer, so you know, they look kind of gaunt and they don't look very good once they get there. So that's yeah. another thing to think. Yeah, about. I agree. Um, we, there is one show we go to that's, you know, 20 minutes away from my house that we don't do that because it's 20 minutes away from our house. You know, we can, we can, um, utter the goats pretty well at our house. You know, goats like homeostasis when you think like big word there, homeostasis or making sure they're in one place. You're good, Caroline. You can stay here. Um, <laughs> You can sit down. It's okay. So they like, you know, the the even steadiness there. So when you disrupt that homeostasis, that throws everything out the window. So we can we can do that, but they also know that they're going to be back in their pens that night as well. Right. Another thing I I know that some people do when they have long distance shows, they think um, they'll just travel throughout the night, and you know that's a good idea sometimes. But I have heard, you know. Um, another friend of mine mentioned that she tries to avoid doing that because it doesn't matter where you're going or what time of the day, that trailer is so noisy and kind of stressful to the goats that it doesn't make much of a difference for the goats. It may be more benefit to you as the handler and the person driving, but you know, I think personally the best option that you can have if you're, if your goal is to let your goats uh, de-stress after they get to the show, you might as well just show up earlier than, you know, the at least the day before. 
Yep. I agree. And I think about, I mean, just driving over here, Missouri's roads aren't that great. Mm-hmm. Illinois' roads aren't that great. Indiana's roads aren't that great if you're in the state of Indiana. So just imagine all of that loud noise that's being created as you're going up and down. You can imagine it in your car already, but imagine it in the trailer. And then obviously the goats, they're not used to that at all. So, And sometimes I wonder, you know, we could have a 20-minute trip, but according to those ghosts, they're probably like, I've been in here for hours. <laughs> so you never know. <laughs> I feel like that sometimes when I travel with my daughters. Oops, I didn't say that. <laughs> no, just kidding. The only time that I'm getting stink eye for my youngest daughter, the only time that I think that maybe you could consider traveling at night is if you're going to a show when it is ungodly hot outside because those trailers do get really warm. Yeah. And so um, – some people are lucky enough to have air conditioning in their trailers. We don't. I don't. So uh, I have seen people who have rigged up these really cool PVC pipe things with a little elbow. Have you seen that, Kim? No, I haven't. So it's a PVC pipe, and they put it between the slats in their trailers, and it captures air as it comes in, and then it blows it into the trailer. Hmm. Can you kind of picture that? Yeah, I can. Yep. yep. So uh, – you know, any way that you have to keep your animals as cool as possible in those, you know, around here, it's in August, late July and August yeah. when it's really hot. So like for us going to the national show, which is the middle part of July, depending on what the weather is during that time, there's a good chance that we may leave at midnight to drive there and hopefully get there around seven or eight in the morning. Yeah. Right. We've done that as well. And we like that for, shows that necessarily we might not have to show that day. So I think about some of the state fairs that we go to. We left when we went to Wisconsin, we left at like, it was like three o'clock in the morning. I mean, we've done that before. Um, you know, we've left at like midnight when we're traveling to national shows. So uh, again, it, it just depends I, it, if you can, you know, if you're going and you're going to get settled in, maybe you're going to get settled in on Friday, but you don't show until you know, Saturday and you can drive at night and you have to be there in the morning. That's always a good thing is to drive through the night where when it's cooler for them um, and, and then go and get settled in, let them chill out before their big day. So Cameron, once you get to a show, what is your method of unloading and like kind of walk, kind of walk through your way that you get the animals unloaded or, or what do you do? Do you have all the bedding in the pen first or do you get the animals out first? Or So before we, before we go to that, I want to step back. Okay. Cause our listeners reminded us of one thing that we left off. Oh yes. yes. Thank you listeners. Thank you. There was a couple of them and it is to check your tattoos before you go. Like well yes. before you go. <laughs> yes. You want to tell a story, Elizabeth? No, that's okay. You can, you can share that one. <laughs> well, like, like when you have a, uh, and doe that you're showing for your daughter and she goes grand and you're so excited to tell her that this doe has her first leg and the judge looks and there's no tattoos because <laughs> you forgot to check. Yeah. Yeah. That, make sure you have that. And thank you guys for bringing that up. That's really an important one. Yes, it is. And as a judge, it's really disappointing because you see a pretty one and you're like, oh, I'd love to give it a leg. And it's like, nope. So, <laughs> but you can still use it for best in show. That's one thing. I think there's a common misconception about that. You still have to, you one, you still have to be presented in the ring for best in show, even if the tattoo is wrong. Mm-hmm. And you can pick them if they are the best. So, Mr. Judge, I have an I, I have a question on that. Yes. Because this was something that came up actually in this case with Elizabeth Sonnen. So she didn't have a tattoo when she went grand. 
what if I stepped out of the ring and tattooed her and she went in for best in show? Could that leg, if she won best in show, would that leg stand? No, probably not. Oh, probably, probably not because the paperwork would look different, would look weird. Because generally when you're checking the ADGA paperwork, you generally want things to match between your best in show and your and your grand champion. So that would throw red flags to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it hypothetically could. I don't know a rule against it, but that's not to say that um, it, it could happen. Okay. Well, that'll be interesting. I don't know who has their tattooers with them. Oh, we at, the, at, at at shows. Oh, <laughs> Elizabeth does. Okay, then. Some I, some I knew do. some people that do. Lamanche <laughs> breeders occasionally. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Ones that we love very much. It's all good. Yes. So. <laughs> I think I, I think I know what you're talking. About. Um, so yeah, so getting back to your question, so we always offload the goats first, getting them off the trailer when it's hot, and we have a double decker trailer. We have doors that we can slide open, um, and we've tried to do you know pull the straw off, prep the pens, get all that done, but it's just a mess. Yeah, and I think you guys have kind of the same philosophy. Well, and I've always thought that too. I've always thought let's let's park the trailer, let's get the beds done and put water in and hay in and have everything wonderful and then put the goats in there. Well, guess what happens? The goats think that because they're not moving and maybe it's just an Alpine thing, but they think it's, Oh, great. This is a good time to bash each other in the head or the side <laughs> or the mean ones pick on the nice ones or, or whatever. And this you can is see my that. Room. <laughs> yeah. You can see the whole trailer rocking around. So I agree with Cameron. We, we get the goats out first. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing is getting them out, getting them sorted. I think if you have a large number like myself or Garrett or you guys, and, and you're taking, you know, 15 plus animals, you know, you don't, Penning is always a strategic thing. Don't you agree? And you're laughing because you guys have alpines. Totally agree. Absolutely. And, you know, strategic, not only with your own herd, but, you know, biosecurity wise too. Um, I know that us, and I I think you guys do as well, that when you have animal pins, you want to have at least your tack pin in between you guys and somebody else just to try to avoid any kind of cross-contamination with that as well. Yeah, it's buffer. It's a buffer zone. Um, I know some people that have put like tarps in between pens as well, like if they're on the backside of somebody. So I've seen people do that as biosecurity there. It's a very important consideration that's often overlooked in my mind when it comes to that. And I do like those buffer zone tack pens. I also always, and this is if I tell this now, people are going to do this and it's not going to be room for me, but I always like to be on the end as well when it comes to pens, um, not in the middle. We do too. Uh, do you spray your pens before you put animals in them? No, we don't. We, we we never actually have. Have you guys? Not Sometimes. really. We're, if if we <laughs> thought about it, and actually I think we've done it once. I'd say, okay, so if we have friends that have some, that have brought, you know, stuff to spray it out, you know, they'll offer and we'll say like, sure, why not? What's it going to hurt? But other than that, I mean, we don't really tend to spray anything down. I always feel like, somebody, I feel like somebody's just spraying Roundup in there with one of those <laughs> right. things, like, like they're taking care of their lawn or something. Well, and I think you have to kind of, if you know that the show that you're going to into and state fairs and sometimes county fairs are uh, notorious for this. They'll have, let's say, sheep in there yeah. and then move the sheep out and move the goats in. Those are the ones that I think maybe I won't spray it, but I'll think more about it. Yeah. Especially if 
oh gosh, one year at our state fair, you can still see uh, bad shavings and wool, a national show. Uh, I saw that at one national show one uh, year. Um, the, the pins just hadn't been cleaned out well. And so that made me a little bit nervous. So I don't mind spraying, spraying some bleach water around in, yeah. in those kind of situations. I agree. We do go to a goat show, and it is a county fair that we um, have to clean our own pens. So that's one thing. And and even on the backside of shows, you might if it's a if it's a club show, you might have to clean out your own pens as well. So that's something in your equipment wise, you always want to make sure to carry some type of pitchfork and shovel um, to clean out those pens. And even if it's not a show that you have to clean out pens with, um, have those kind of things with you. And I'll tell you a little story. The Missouri State Fair is notorious for for storms. Actually, anytime we show in Sedalia, there's storms. A wonderful place to show, but very stormy. And um, we've had flooded pens before where you didn't intend on cleaning the whole pen out, but you needed to do a whole bedding change. So it's always a good idea to yeah. do that. I agree. I, I agree on that. So. so do you put anything in their water? Yeah. Do you? Sometimes. So we started originally with Gomex. Um, it was something you could buy. Go Gomex. That's what it was called. Spell that for me. Um, hold on to the internet. I go. I go make... What I'm hearing you say is Gomex? Go, go Max is what we call it. Go Max. Go okay, Max. cool. It is. You find it at your... Um, I'll find it here as I'm talking, but uh, we use Gomex for the longest time and we do that at home too. So water is super important for milk production. You want familiarity in water when it comes to those goats. And you know, no matter where you go, water is going to taste a little different to them. So because of that, we always would put Gomex in there to start. So we did it at home. We did it at pens or at, at shows because we were on the road so in so many different places when we went to 10, 11 shows a year. So because of that, we, we, we always did that. Now we've switched to blue light. So we have blue light. I wish I could say I use it at home, and I think I need to. Uh, don't usually have that much on hand. But we've used molasses before in water. We've used uh, Gatorade before in water. And one thing that I got from my friend Gretchen Sims, she will buy a filter like you would use if you were camping like a camper filter that you could screw onto the water hydrant and fill your buckets and she said that 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 really filters out a lot of flavors out of the water too so sometimes you go to a show and it's real sulfury smelling and the ghosts won't touch it so i think i think however you choose to do it whether it's filtered water or some water from home or putting some type of an additive in it it is important to remember that goats don't like change and, and if they don't like the water, they're not going to drink and therefore they're not going to make milk. Homeostasis. Yes. That's what's, that's what they like. They like to just chill. So, um, and that's, that's one thing as well. So we'll get the water set up there. One question on water and it's important. You brought up biosecurity. I'm pointing right at you. Is, do you guys like to use other people's hoses? No, no. Okay. We try to avoid that. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> same. Same. And, and I get it. And people think it's rude. But at the end of the day, I don't know what your herd's health status is. And that's not and that's no offense to them as people at all. I'm sure they're great people. But at the end of the day, I want to keep my animals as clean as possible when it comes to any, you know, biosecurity issue. And kind of on that same line, I always hope that I'm helpful to people at shows and I always want to help. But I'm not really comfortable sharing a lot of equipment. So... Um, it, it just collars 
I don't like to share collars. I don't want to share feed scoops. Uh, maybe a maybe a shovel, but I, I it makes me nervous to share equipment. So just remember that if you ask somebody for equipment to be shared, uh, you might ask people that you maybe trade animals with all the time or have the same biosecurity levels at your own farm, but possibly don't think somebody's being rude if they're a little hesitant to share. Yeah, I agree. I think that's that's a very important consideration there. And I think it's often overlooked in the world because we assume everyone is nice and friendly because a lot of people are goat shows, but biosecurity is a very big thing. And, you know, when you take goats off the farm, you risk any type of thing that may happen. For yeah. sure. So it makes me think of a, a rather large show that there was a milk spill <clears throat> and there were multiple different exhibitors that would take their own brooms and shovels and try to clean that milk up. And that's a, a big biosecurity hazard that you could be bringing in from other anybody and anywhere back I'm, to your herd. I'm, I, my face says it all. Yeah. So. <laughs> his, his face is cringing. Folks. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta think about things like that and even sharing milk pails. Don't do it. Yeah. Don't share milk stands. Just be really mindful of the fact that their animals may look really clean. And, and honestly, this is one of my personal biases about national show pinning. They always used to pin you by state. And I always felt like that that was a little more biosecure than the way it's done now because bugs that happen in Missouri or in the Midwest are quite different at times than the bugs that happen in California. And, and I just feel like you need to be extra mindful of the fact that when you go to these large shows that have a lot of animals from around the country, you're opening your herd up to a lot of different new bugs that may be, may be harmless to the animals that have resistance to it, but could be devastating to your herd. Yep, that you're exactly right there. So enough gloom and doom for now. Um, <laughs> um, moving along here, I think you know once you have that, once you have all your goats unloaded and their straw, or what do you guys use for bedding? Straw, straw. I know some some shows they don't allow straw, so you have to use shavings. Right, and we grudgingly do that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I, if, I don't if like we're going to be at a show for a long time, we might use a combination, put mm -hmm. shavings underneath because they're really absorbent mm -hmm. and then straw on top because that's what they're used to at home yeah. and it's more comfortable. Yeah, I like that combo. That's a that's a very good combo there. Um, at Nationals, I want to specifically talk about this. They might provide something called like a first bedding. What are your guys' thoughts on that? I think it's nice. I love it. Okay. <laughs> I, I just, you know, you hear the horror stories of the first bedding sometimes where there's like mites in it or, or lice or something or like there's something in there that shouldn't be in there. And some people are leery of it. So for example, I will, I will call out Gillette, Wyoming, because this is actually how I met my good friends. Now the Schmitz is I, we were out in Gillette, Wyoming and we, they had all this moldy first straw they provided us. It was not good. So they had dropped all of these bales, like one bale per pen at each barn. And there was like 12 barns. So I was going around looking for non-moldy bales of straw for us and then swapping them out for moldy bales. <laughs> and the Schmitz caught way of that. And they were like, what are you doing? <laughs> so I know I know Mary listens and I, I think she'll appreciate that story. So that's how we met. Did you look sheepish and say, I'm not doing anything? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. That's when you just say, I'm new and I don't know. <laughs> I, should, I should have said that. <laughs> oh, honey. <laughs> yes. Well, um, 
you know, on that note, of course, you do have to watch for that. And I know that for us, many times, our room is at a premium when we go to shows. So uh, if they have the option of buying betting at the show, I'll usually call and talk to the betting people and I, I'm not afraid to ask, is it good betting? Is it clean? Does it have any mold in it? Okay, thanks. And, and if I feel pretty confident with it, I'm okay with going. Yeah, so. I agree. I think you should definitely do your research on that. Um, and, and doing research is, is really important before you go to any show, um, including – I don't even think we've talked about some of the research that we do is like where do we turn around at because we drive a tw- 30 – you know, a 30 – three foot trailer with the truck and gooseneck and you know we're not the best drivers of the truck and trailer i will admit that is my limitation with the gooseneck and i will be the first one to admit that so um is there plenty of ample room to turn around um is there a feed vendor around because you know you might not have enough feed if you're going to a large show um you know where do i dump my milk some people their proximity to the milk dump um is either important or they want to be as far as freaking away from the milk dump Yes, depending on how nice the milk dump is. Yes, yes. very, very true. Uh, but uh, you're looking at someone here uh, across this table is that I don't use the milk dump very often. Right. We don't use it very much. Yeah. We, we have other things to do with our milk. So yes. um, I also, not having a 33-foot trailer, but uh, boy, it sure is nice when somebody sees a, um, a very capable but not a great trailer backer having issues. I don't get offended at all if people volunteer to help me park my dang trailers. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> oh, fine with me. I, I don't either. That's the my one thing. My kids get embarrassed, but no, I don't. It is a fight sometimes. <laughs> I I don't at all. So yeah, or how much room there is to turn around at those some of those oh. fairs too? You got to consider that as well because um, again, you might not be the most capable driver like me. <laughs> right, and there, and sometimes fairs are just so jam packed. There's just not room anywhere. Yeah. I mean, you just you're gonna have to drive all the way back out of the fairgrounds to turn around and yeah. come back where you're going. So exactly. that's that's just something to think about. So after you get there and get your animals unloaded and, and get their bedding in and get their water and um, we always try to put nice hay, the best yeah. hay that we've got, yeah. to start making milk at night. Uh, usually for us, the next thing we do is get everybody milked out. Yeah, so we it depends on the point of the day which we mo- we move in. So we move in all of our crap, and it feels like when you when you go to a goat show, you literally bring everything and the kitchen sink, mm-hmm. and half of it's only used for one thing, only. But you need that one thing, or you might need that one thing. You don't even know you need it, but you probably might need it at some point. And so, the time you don't bring it is you, the time you're you, going to need it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, once we have all of our crap moved in and we've got the trailer parked. That's when we start figuring out, okay, what do we need to do? For us, we also – one big thing as well is we have to figure out how we're going to feed our kids because we we feed milk still when we're at shows because we're freaking crazy like that. So we have to figure out how we're going to feed our kids, whether that's installing a new system, using a gate we brought from home or something, and then we will pu- usually pour on the grain for them. Yeah, we, ha- we still bring kids on milk too, and uh, it's – we just we bring a lamb bar because mm-hmm. we don't pan feed, but having an idea in mind how to do that. So here at home, when we use our our uh, caprine feeder, we have a ring mounted on a tire yeah. rim. Well, we don't take that with us, mm-hmm. and it's difficult to know how to support that bucket so that you've got ten little baby goats on it. So what we've done is we've made a temp a temporary one that can hang on a gate. It's made out of an old detergent 
bucket and it's flat on the back. So it'll feed four kids at a time. And that works out really well for us. Yeah. So you might consider that what works at home may not work for you as well when you get to a show. I agree. I agree. So really thinking about how you're going to personalize the feeding to that situation because no, no gates are the same. No matter where you go, they might be similar. Um, figure out how you're going to actually open the gates as well. If they're going to open up one way or another way, because if you have those little rod thingies and you open up the rod both ways, the thing comes slamming down on your foot. It's a mess. <laughs> We've never had that happen before. Yeah, right. No, or you pinch your fingers and then you're saying very colorful things that the little kids in the pen next to you are like, mommy, that lady said a bad word. <laughs> And one thing to add too that you you say that you it seems like you pack everything in the kitchen sink. We have had a tendency that we forget the small things, and it's small things that are very important. I, for example, a feed scoop. Forget it for feeding. You know our older does. Um, what are you going to sit on when you're milking? You need an extra bucket or a chair to sit on there while you're milking your yeah, dough. Lawn chairs don't work very well. For no, me. no, Ooh. and it's not easy to do it that way. Um, so it's we've noticed that it's super helpful to just have that general like a packing list. Um, you may think that I've packed for shows a hundred thousand times before, and I know everything that we need. You're gonna forget something, and you're gonna regret it. So it's really helpful to have just yeah. that list. One time <laughs> and, we forgot a pulsator. And yeah, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that don't work well without a pulsator. No, we don't. No, 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 no. It's also good to know where your closest farm store is. And where your closest Walmart is, especially when they're open 24 hours, because there could be something in the middle of the night, whether it's keopectate or, um, you know, drugs for humans, too, that you need to go pick up yep. at the last minute. So or show whites, as we've talked about before. Yeah. So um, so we've got everything moved in. We you you've milked out your goats or we've figured out how to get everything else. And then at that point, we you know, we've established that we like to go the day before. and. It depends what time of the day you leave, obviously, in which you – how much milk you leave in the goat's udders and whatever you do. But before you leave, do you milk your goats out? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. That's something I'm wholeheartedly a fan of as well as long as it's not the day of. Right. Because <laughs> – don't do that. So, no. So, um, uh, yeah, milking your goats with – or milking your goats out before you leave, very important. And depending – again, depending on what time you leave, that may be the last time that you need to milk them before the show. Yep. So I – I'm a big fan of teat tape. Yep, I am too. Um, even if you think this dough will never leak, teat tape them anyway. Things happen. Oh, yeah. And it doesn't hurt them to put tape on them. You can always take it off if you don't want to leave it on there later. But traveling with tape on, I, I think, is a great thing to do. Yeah. Plus, that's one less thing you have to do with the show. For sure. So that that's one thing. That, and then we'll tape them at night as well if we have to. Um, before we go to the show. So that that that's something we'll do as well. Okay, so you're at a show. You're at your first show of the year. How much milk do you guys put in your goats? Mm. I think the best answer of that is it depends. It depends <laughs> on the dough. <laughs> um, yearlings, yearlings, I tend not to utter up as much as the older does for a couple of reasons. One is, especially at that first show of the year, they've never had the experience of walking around a really full udder. So then they're going to hunch up and they're going to act really uncomfortable and they are uncomfortable. It's, it's, I'm sure it's not a comfortable feeling. So uh, we'll, we'll not utter them up as much at the first shows, especially plus they're going to show first. So, yeah. you know, you don't, 
you have to watch that too. Those really heavy producers that you know are, are fairly newly fresh, of course, don't need as much mm-hmm. milk. But there are some does. I, you know, I used to think that it was the mark of a bad goat if you had to utter them up more than, let's say, 14 hours. And Ellen Dorsey had posted something one time in a Facebook post, and she mentioned that, you know, part of being a good showman, and I'm going to paraphrase this, Ellen, if you listen, but basically as a herdsman and as as a breeder, you know when your animal looks the best, and it's your goal to present your animal looking at its best. So if it needs more than 14 hours of milk, so be it. That's fine. Know when too much is too much. Don't over-utter them. But have an idea in your head of how long, what it takes to make the animal look good. And that's going to change depending on where that animal is in their lactation. Yep. I agree. Going with what Ellen has said, it's, it, it really just depends on your goal with that animal, because I would, I would understand that if an animal doesn't produce a fair amount of milk within 12 hours and it's targeted to be a, dairy producing, you know, working in the dairy industry, then sure, maybe that's not the most ideal animal. But considering if you're coming to a show and you're asking, you know, how long do you usually let your goats fill? Like you said, the goal is to present the most ideal state of what you can make that animal. So, so be it that it may be over 14 hours. But the goal is not to say, I produce this amount of milk within a short amount of time. So something to consider is, like, are you wanting a dairy industry type doe or are you wanting the dairy goat or show exhibition type? Well, I want it all. Yeah, well, duh. <laughs> but again, but again that, this is why we have DHIR to show right. how much you can milk in 24 hours under two consecutive milkings. Um, and, and, you know, we have other programs in order to show that off at your 24 hour milk competition or something like that. So, and there are some does that milk great at home, but get stressed out and they don't, it takes them longer at a show to do that. And that's nothing against that animal on a day-to-day basis. They might be a great producer, but it maybe they're nervous or they don't do well at a show. And, and you just know as a good herdsman that it takes longer. So I think yeah. that's okay. I always recommend doing some practice stretches at home. Maybe if you're milking at 12, 12 hours and 12 hours, maybe do a 13 hour stretch or 13 and a half or 12 and a half or something. So you can really see when that rear rudder arch is full or, you know, figure out what is that there. And obviously you don't want to make it super stressful for the goat, but also you kind of want to know what their limit is so you can work to push it because you got to think that mammary system is going to expand and gets bigger, obviously with more milk production. So you, you know, you really want to stretch them a little bit. So you really know one, how much to put in them too. So they can, their udder will grow just a little bit there and want that elasticity, big word. And I think for our viewers or listeners, pardon me, (laughs) that dam raise, that's really important because if that udder is, is being emptied all the time by kids. And the first time that you fill the udder is when you, when you get ready to walk into the ring, it's not, it's not going to be a positive experience no. for the doe or for you or for the judge that tries to check that udder and the goats like standing on its hind legs, trying to get away. I agree. So, um, after you get the animals milked out and settled and, mm-hmm. and in for the night, don't forget to feed yourselves. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, whether that's bringing a cooler and I'll tell you what, we've got some really great cooks in the dairy goat world. And sometimes they show up at a show with the spread that you think, why ever go out to eat, man? They've got, they've <laughs> got the food there. 
Or maybe your dinner is let's find the greatest Chinese buffet that's still open at nine o'clock at at night and go eat. But make sure you get a good dinner before you go because it's it's important to get a good night's sleep, to get a good dinner, because you're going to hit the ground running the next day. You're exactly right. And and if you're like me, you know, we will... We'll eat on the road. We'll grab something. We'll grab something quickly there and, and get back. Or you know, we'll go. We'll, we'll find a smaller sit down or like a fast casual place as well and go and eat that. But I also, and this is me just being very chatty at night. Is I always, I always go and look at goats of other people's as well, and normally chalk with them and and kind of see, kind of see what's what's up. So. I'm just maybe I'm nosy, but uh, yeah, I always do that as well at, at night after everything's settled in and, and kind of put put to bed. So Elizabeth, I remember when you, I think, and I'm probably not going to say this the right way, but I remember when you said, "Mom, I I remember when I finally realized that you saw me as a serious showman when you said, "Come on, Elizabeth, let's go do the barn walk." We walked around the barn and kind of scoped out all the other goats and saw where our competition was. I love doing the barn walk. The ritual thing that anytime we go to a new kind of area, we look around and we think, okay, I really like this herd or, you know, this is our competition. Yeah. I I think it's, it's, I think it's human nature because we're interested. Yeah. We're all very vested in this. Obviously, we have a podcast, so I mean, we're very <laughs> invested in this hobby of ours. But um, you know, I think there's a lot of curiosity, and and my dad does kind of taught me to do the same thing. My barn walk might be a little sweeter than his barn walk, but <laughs> <laughs> so also, do you overnight like after everybody's in bed? Do you have a uh, process of what you do overnight uh, i'll check okay. i'll check i will check if i if i'm awake or if i've got to go to the bathroom or if i'm still awake or something like that so i'll check teats again um i'll use my phone light for that if the lights are off or i will at one point we had like a giant mag light we could shine and we could just see and i'll check and go to bed or if i know maybe i didn't get that teat the best or something like that i'll, I'll go back and check and i'll redo it or something like that but i, I don't want my goats to lose milk like that is I, I lose sleep over that, so I would rather wake up and check than everything. So Okay, so that's that's me too. And I was um John Brown of yep. the Utterway Herd back in Indiana uh, was a great mentor and teacher to me of how to uh kind of maintain a herd at a show. And uh John I don't think John ever slept. Now I will sleep, but I'm gonna say every couple of hours during the night at a show, I'm up putting out fresh hay, checking their water, um, checking the tape, like what Cameron said. Uh, if a doe is over uttered, I'll hit that a little bit earlier rather than I will later because you can take milk out earlier on and not lose that rear udder attachment. But if you wait too close to showing and you take milk out, you're going to, I think the rear udder suffers. So I do those kind of things during the night too. So I do the opposite and we'll, and we'll get there. Oh, good. But, but, but um, so one thing as well in the morning is we will actually literally throw out the hay. If there's any left in there, we will throw it on the ground and we will give them fresh hay. We'll try to give them fresh water, you know, making sure that again, they are just ready to go. We'll also bring up everybody on the milk stand, let them get some grain. You know, this might be the time when we put, uh, we use, um, Lotion. They'll put lotion on the udders, make them feel good, and and really, you know, take the time there. Also, at this point, this is where we'll decide if we're gonna take out some milk. So again, you can you can always put 
You can't put milk back in a goat. That is that is my biggest thing. And smarter people than me have probably tried. So um, I will say this this is the point in the time based on when you're going to show is when this is when we'll take milk out. So you don't have issues with like losing rear adder capacity when you take milk out? No, not. It, it depends on the goat. So we're always afraid of that. Um, but I think I would rather have too much at six o'clock. Than, than too little at 7.30 or 7.45 if the show's at 8. I can, I can agree with that. So, sure. so again, different difference of philosophies. Doesn't mean we're right, wrong, or something in between. But, again, it shows that Laura and I don't agree on everything. No, we don't. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so then after you, after you get them on the stand, and we do the same thing, um, you know, make sure everybody's yep. ready and show ready. And, and for us at that time, we take their – their green plastic collars off and put the show collars on and, and pretty much try to have them ready to walk up to the ring. We don't take the teat tape off at that point. Yep. Do you? No. Okay. No, 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 no. And then, um, then it's off to get the people ready. Yeah. I, well, one, one thing I do like to do though, when I have them up on the milk stand is I will recheck cause we, cause you gotta, we shave everybody before we go to the show. Well, we will, you know, we'll have the 40 blade out. We'll check if we need to go higher with that rear rudder or if we need to get the razor back out and really make that rear rudder arch pop or something like that. So that's one thing we do on the stand and really go through them with a fine tooth cone for that mammary system, making sure that rear is just looking spot on. And if you have sonnens, that's a good time to try to get the stains off of them that they so kindly got on during the night. Yes. <clears throat> brings up another question that I guess kind of goes back to before you leave. Do you wash your goats before you leave? Depends if it's been muddy out. Yeah. So, I mean, if it's a day like today and I'm leaving for a show tomorrow, I am definitely rinsing them off, especially their feet, before I put them on the trailer and load them right on the trailer. Right. Okay. So we talked last week about washing them before you clip them. Mm -hmm. Will you wash them again after you get to the show? No. No, unless it's the national show. Or um, unless they all have the craps. Yeah. So, oh, and, yeah. And I just remember everyone looking at us very strange. We were at the Indiana State Fair, Catherine and I, with our 24 kids that we had. And we were dragging them all to the wash racks. And everybody's just looking at us like we're crazy for washing our kids. <laughs> well, they all had the poops everywhere. So I was just like, ugh. There's yeah, only so much baby wipes can clean up. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good, that's a good statement. All <laughs> right. So we've got them ready. Yep. We've got the people ready. Yes. Eat breakfast. <laughs> breakfast comes in many different forms in my, in my opinion. It might, it might be nachos. Uh, yeah. The nachos. Yeah. Nachos for breakfast. And normally that's like 1030, but um, yeah. you know, it's like a cosmic brownie or it's, it's something you pack from your snack bag. I feel like yeah. that's a very important thing that we forgot is the snack bag. So what goes in your snack bag? Right? Cosmic brownies. Um, it's all the terrible things. Like Cosmic, the little Debbie's. Like the little Debbie cosmic brownies. Shout out Jennifer Weir on those. I was going to say. She's queen of those. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the cookies from Walmart that are like frosted. Those oh, go, the sugar ones? Yes, the yes, sugar ones. Those go in there. It's only terrible things. Um, Nutter butters if Byron's coming along. Got to have those for him. Um, some type of chip. You know, whether my dad likes sun, I like sun chips. My dad likes um, just like Lay's or baked Lay's or something like that. Um, and then mostly, mostly something sweet. And then you've got to make sure you've always got your cooler packed as well. Yes. Granola bars. That always goes yeah. with us. 
Yes. Donut holes for breakfast that they sometimes oh, go yeah. with. Us. Yeah. yeah. Granola bars is probably our most common. Uh, I would say cosmic brownie for me. Really? <laughs> I have to look into that. I haven't tried that. The breakfast of champions. Cosmic cosmic <laughs> yeah. Two or three packages of those and ready to go. So being alpine breeders that we are, yes. we show first almost always. You always show first. I don't feel like we do. Really? Gosh, it's no, just, Missouri is stuck on it. Alpines go first. Well, it's so, so alphabetical every time. See, we don't. I don't feel like we go to a lot of shows that do that anymore. <sighs> that's that's dead. That's dead in so my do region. They rotate? Yeah, they rotate. It just depends. Man. Depends on the biggest breed or something like that, Same. or yeah, huh. or like the breeders who's there. So if they figured out, like for example, like they would figure out that you know myself and Randy Adamson, and when we go to Wisconsin, that we both have Alpines La Mancha. So like we would, they would put them at alternate times in the ring. So that's nice. They were nice like that. Well. Um, what, what kind of aftercare do you do with your does after, after yes. you're done showing? So we're done. So we're done showing wiped off. Oh, the, we, we talked about wiping off, but what about fly spray? Fly spray? Fly oh, spray? Always. Um, so I will say this. We always take fly spray okay. with us. If there are biting flies, definitely use it mm-hmm. on the goats and on you, yeah. especially if you wear short socks. Yeah. Or man trees, you know, those. Yep. Yeah. Manpreys. Yep. Yeah. Manpreys. Right. Manpreys. Um, but make sure that you try it out at home. Okay. Because I've seen a very beautiful son and doe that our friends Jennifer Lawrence had mm-hmm. looked like somebody put bubble wrap under her goat's skin. Oh, Lord. Because she had such a terrible allergic reaction oh my to God. the spray. So just make sure that you've tested it out at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yep, that's a good consideration there. Um, we use Shoshin too. Uh, we've used Shoshin in the past, more or less than not anymore. The collars really don't bother me. From you know, we keep the same collars. We have cloth collars, so we like it because those those um, the chain collars they rub against them, and there's a like a spot on their neck if you keep them on too long. That's why you guys use the plastics probably. Um, but uh, so we we depends on the show. We don't really change collars very often, but. The first show out, we will. Um, but oh, I so after the show, I got sidetracked. I apologize. After the show, we uh, milk them out. Or no, 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 no. We get pictures um, first. <laughs> really? How ah! much argument do you guys a, have? A lot. Okay. <laughs> much, much, much. Very, very much. Yeah. Okay. So if you can find people to help you get pictures, that's an awesome yeah. thing. Yes. Um, but I think milking them out as quick as you can mm-hmm. is always a good thing. Yes. And um, I love that Uttermint lotion yeah, that you can put stuff. on them after you milk them out, especially if, if you notice that their udder is a little bit swollen. And those first freshening yearlings, sometimes they get some edema in their udder mm-hmm. just from that first uttering. So that mint stuff I think is wonderful. We like the beagle oil. We like the beagle oil for pretty much anything and everything, um, not just in us, but not just for our goats, but for us as well. So <laughs> um, that's that we use a lot of that. Um, for that or that mint stuff as well, bag balm um, mm-hmm. has worked as well for us. So uh, we do that, and then we'll generally they'll generally be out of water at that point. <laughs> so we'll give them water. Um, we'll give them a fresh hay. Do you guys strip your goats? Like just you after you put the machine on, do you guys strip them afterwards? Depends on some of our goats hold back milk, okay. and some of them don't. So it just kind of depends on the goat. What do you do? So my dad. So on normally when we're milking, we'll strip them. But my dad taught me after a really hard udder fill is you leave a little milk in there 
so we don't strip them. And that just helps that positive feedback loop and in, in the utter come back and, and, you know, fire back up. Maybe if you're on a two day show, that's really important or just getting them back to a normal production level after they've been severely stressed is super important as well. I would agree with that. What about if you are lucky enough to go grand champion yes. and you know that you're going to have to go back in for best in show. So you've waited and now you're getting ready for that best in show call. And you always have to wait on that last breed to finish milking out. Yes, great. What kind of things do you do to prepare your doe to walk into the ring? Nothing. Nothing. Except, except keep the, just take out as much milk as possible. Mm-hmm. I want that. I want that udder to be as collapsed as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the only special thing we do compared to what we normally did before. Uh, most of the, well, maybe we'll give them some milk. I didn't even talk about that. Feeding them back their milk. Yeah. Uh-huh. We, so we actually do that um, in the, to the mature does and the baby goats, which people think we're crazy for, but we do. And that helps body them out a little bit. Gives them that, that bloom that, that people, you know, you might miss sometimes in some goats if they're a little skinny or maybe they're putting all on the pail. So that's a trick. That's a trick if you have created that type of environment in your farm. We do that too. And we have goats that are like passionate about yeah. making their milk. Yes. Yes. And the passionate. That's a good word. Yeah. I mean, like always <laughs> knock you over to get to it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I agree. For sure. I agree. So, um, yeah, I don't think there's anything special that you can do because I think, and this is from a judge's perspective, is that the judge has already seen that goat. And it's full bloom. The only thing else that they're looking for right now that they haven't already visualized is how the udder collapses. And if you've got all that milk out of that udder, that's all you can do in order to compete with the does ahead of you and the does behind you. So So let me tell you something don't do. Okay. Don't take a look at their feet and think, you know, this goat probably could use a little bit of hoof trimming. (laughs) And I don't really care if it's for best in show, though that's what I'm focusing on, but really think hard about not trimming feet when you get to a show. Yeah. And make sure when you do trim feet before you go, that you get all four feet. I'm getting the glare eye for my daughter because we missed a foot on one of her goats one time. So. <laughs> we'll get um, into that. But don't, don't, even if you think you're going to be so careful, I can tell you, you're going to nick them sometime or other. You're going to nick their foot and then they're going to limp. And then I can guarantee you won't win best in show. Yeah, I agree. All right, so uh, milkers, any other special considerations for junior does? Obviously, you don't have to milk them, right? Right, but make sure you feed them. (laughs) If they're still on milk, they will look much better and act better for you in the show ring if you feed them before you take them in. And if you feed hot milk, um, one thing as well that you can feed them is hot water because they think it's milk too. little trick of the trade there. I don't know if you guys have ever done that, but that's if you don't have enough milk, hot water usually works pretty well. Yes, and if they seem reluctant to eat off of a lamb bar, you can usually get them to take a bottle, like if you feed them individually. Then. So that's something else to think about, too. Yeah. All right. So showmanship, we wanted to transition, and I know specifically Elizabeth wanted to talk about showmanship. Yeah. Um, so showmanship was has been really a priority to me growing up um, with the dairy goats and pretty much all throughout 4-H and all the way through FFA. And part of that was because uh, my mom was known as a pretty, pretty good showman uh, when she was growing up. And one thing that I remember her talking about was you may not have the best looking goat. You may not win, but you could always win showmanship. So um, that was something that I always took really seriously. And 
um, after a lot of practice, you can make a mediocre looking animal look like a best in the show type animal because of tricks and ways that you kind of manipulate the animal in a way. Um, so that's definitely something that I think that, you know, everybody can learn and not just kids in 4-H or, you know, younger people, but any showman that wants to be taken seriously and actually present their animal in the best way should, should know how to do that. So one thing I, I tell people, and I tell kids this all the time is if you're a really good showman, you can, you can make money doing it. You, you can make money. Literally the person who helped this show Sables at the national show, I went up at the wine and cheese party and I said, here's $50. Thanks for help the show go. She's like, you don't have to pay me. I said, no, I have to pay you. Cause I tell the kids that they can make money doing it. So I need, I need to live practice what I preach. So um, I, I'm serious though. Like people will pay for good showmen. That is something that is overlooked. You can make some good money for the national at the national show by showing other people's goats. I also think too, if you are an adult and you didn't grow up with 4-H and FFA, because a lot of us, you know, a lot of adults get into dairy goats later on, take some time to watch the showmanship classes because you can learn a lot. Even if you feel pretty confident in setting up your animal, there are there are maneuvers that you can learn and, and things that you can learn that will just help you do a better job. For example, I'm going to throw one out there. Um, I was always taught in showing dogs. And also this holds true for goats. When the judge directs you to move your animal in, in a line, let your animal take the first step. It makes the animal look more graceful. It looks like that you are showing off the animal rather than you yanking the animal's collar, but put some pressure on the collar and, and teach them to, to move out before you do. It looks better. And just try it the next time. You'll see what I'm saying. Cause if, if you're scratching your head thinking, ha, huh, really, it, it's true. It makes them look better. Hmm. Here's another thing. When the judge goes to feel um, like the skin and the ribbing on your, on your goat, if you turn their head just slightly towards the side that the judge is feeling, it makes their skin more pliable on that side. So there are little things like that that you can pick up watching a showmanship class that even if you're never going to do showmanship yourself, it's going to help you do a better job in the show ring. Keep your knee into a Swiss breed's uh, point of elbow. That's yep. something as well. That's a, that's a big thing there. <laughs> Shavings are awesome when you have weak pasterns, but a good judge will pick up. Oh, yeah, that. definitely. <laughs> and, and, and that's something that you – well, it's not just that. It's just position in the show ring. And I think I talked about it yep. last week. Is It's just – Making sure you are aware of not only the goats around you, but what the terrain is as well. Because you don't want your goat. I mean, it might look weird when you're looking at them, but if you're in a different position because you know you can show your goat to the best advantage in that position, go for it. Because that's only going to make you look better. And sometimes sometimes show rings are all ruddy and, and there's holes in some places. And, and I remember a show that I was at one time where it seemed like every time I stopped – my goat's head was in a hole three inches lower where its bottom was. And it looked terrible. It made my animal look awful. So I kind of pulled myself out of line. And I, I know I got some kind of funny looks, but I thought, you know, I am trying to present my animal in the very best way that I can. And it definitely is not putting its front end into a hole. So 
you know, I think that's really important. Ring awareness. My my last pro tip I'm going to leave us with, because I think we might have a whole special episode dedicated to showmanship at some point, at some point down the pipeline, is um, when you're pulling out of the national show um, and they say go into the line, which when, generally when they make a cut, they make a separate line, is go where you think you need to be because, you know, some people, they look at you weirdly when you go – when you don't go into the line because they, they they pull it out and maybe you're parallel, maybe you're um, this way here. I, I know you, listeners can't see my hands, but um, maybe they pulled out six first goats or whatever. And if you go join that that line of six, and even though you were pulled out like 14th, that's going to make you look a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that before, and I was I was in that top six group as well, that's even though I was pulled fun. out 14th, and everybody was like, "What's this guy doing?" And I was just like. They they told me to come up here. Yeah, they did. They did. (laughs) That's cute. And one thing that I'm going to add that, you know, every, all, a lot of people think that nationals is like the big thing that to win. And yes, it's, it's a completely different level of competition that you are in there for hours trying to just prove that you're a good showman. But, you know, any show that you go to, Absolutely. You need to know your maneuvers, the correct maneuvers. Um, You need to actually, before you walk in that ring, make sure that you yourself looks presentable, but your animal is in the top quality shape. You know, their hooves are trimmed or at least to the point that they're not limping. Um, And again, don't trim your hooves on the day of your showmanship class because you will nick it. And we've had that issue before. (laughs) Um, You know, give your, make sure your goat is clean and that it's clipped everywhere not a missing spot anywhere. Um, clean under those tails, clean their hooves. I've seen people with um, their goats before they get into the ring, they have these little booties that kind of keep their hooves clean from getting, you know, mud and poop on them. And I think that's an awesome idea. Um, make sure that your show whites are not dirty because we all know that show whites after 15 minutes, they're not white, they're brown. Um, so just make sure that you look right and you look good. And then, um, Show that you know what you're doing as far as with your maneuvers, because that's where judges will get you. I'm going to throw something out there on on appearance. It is hard sometimes to find jeans that are not skinny jeans. But if you if those are the only jeans that you can have, please don't wear them tucked inside cowboy boots. It looks stupid. I'm just <laughs> going to throw that out there. If you have to wear skinny jeans because that's all you've got, Wear some nice white tennis shoes with it and be done with it. Boots with with skinny jeans tucked in them, just nobody needs to see that. That's bad. Yeah. Yeah. Caroline's like, yeah, I did that. (laughs) um, One thing, and I'll take it off another podcast I listen to, is look good or uh, do good, do good, feel good, feel good, play play good, or whatever, something like that. So (laughs) if you look good, you're going to normally do good. So that's one thing as well. That's 10 easy points on the scorecard just to pick up. For sure. For yeah. sure. So one last thing, trying to wrap, wrap this up. And this has been a fun episode. So for me, one of the big things that's a challenge is after you're done with the show. So maybe it's been two days of showing um, and you're, you're getting ready to go home. The temptation to me is to throw everything in the, in the truck willy nilly as quickly as you can get it loaded Get your animals in the truck and get the heck home. Correct. 
Is that a smart thing to do, Cameron? No, I've done it so many times, so. <laughs> it's so easy. I keep so going easy. back to the well. <laughs> because you can find, well, like for me, one of the biggest culprits of that is show chains, like collars that you show your goats in. People stuff them in their pockets. People stuff them in the console of the truck. People stuff them on the floor of the truck. And then you get to the next show and all of a sudden you have no chains because they've ended up in the laundry. And so they're on top of the dryer. They're in junk drawers in the kitchen because people are like, oh, this doesn't need to be here. And that's where they throw it. And, and so you're in trouble. And both of my daughters are laughing about this. So take the extra few minutes that it takes to put stuff in its place before you leave the show. Especially if it's a buck show. Because your truck will smell like buck for the next week. Yeah. Spoken like a true mother there. <laughs> And if you really love your mother, don't leave half-drunk bottles of pop and water. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. So just throw them We out. got a whole Laura's advice episode coming up. <laughs> <laughs> Cameron, anything else that you want to add? No, I just want to thank Thanks for doing it. Let's thanks for doing this at your house. First off, this was fun in oh, person for once. Um, and uh, thank you listeners for listening. Uh, we heard your feedback about my audio. We're working on it. We're going to get it better. So thank you for listening. And that's all we got. Thanks for your patience as we navigate the whole learning curve of podcasts. It's a lot of fun. And I know this is a highlight for my week every week. And I love hearing from our listeners. So uh, we have some good stuff coming down the pike. Probably some uh, more guests coming up, and we're just going to kind of leave it at that. So, thank you for being part of Goat Gab. Cameron, where can they find us? On the Facebook, Goat Gab. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts, you can find us. So, look us up. And as always, if you like us, tell a friend. Let them tell a friend. Let's grow this thing. Have a great week, y'all. Have a great week. <laughs>